All right. Hi, everybody. My name is uh, Thomas. I'm the director of students here at NOVA. Uh, my wife and I were lucky enough to travel through part of Europe last year. Uh, it was one of our favorite trips, and in that trip, one of our favorite moments was uh, when we went horseback riding and wine tasting in the countryside right outside of Florence, Italy. And I, I didn't really know what to expect uh, when we were going into it, um, but it was, it was very beautiful. A sunny day, few clouds in the sky, great temperature. It felt like Southern California. Not, not, not quite like this, um, but oddly enough, the weather did start like this on that day. It was very, very foggy, but it faded away and turned beautiful, just like it probably will here later today. And we were in this uh, larger group of probably like 10 or 12 people total, and we started at the bottom of these vineyards in the country, and we worked our way all the way up a hill uh, riding these horses. And then when we got to the top, we got to you know take our you know Instagram photos overlooking the the beautiful valley and uh, all the all the fields, and winery and stuff like that. And then we took a tour of the winery. And not only did they make wine, but they made olive oil too, which is great, and we got to try that. Uh, and then they drove us to the next place that we we're going to, because we didn't just get to go to one place, but two places. And the next place is where uh, we got to have lunch. And so we all sat around this huge table, and our whole group ate together. Just 12 strangers who've only just met each other earlier in the day. And though, you know, before this, we got to go throughout Europe and go to the Vatican and see the Duomo and marvel over the state statue of David and so many other things. This moment right here around this table was probably my favorite moment of the whole trip. There, there was something just so simple and beautiful about it. Uh, you know, there were some Americans like us and there were people from other countries too. And we're all just sitting around this huge family style meal. They, you know, they drop a couple jugs of wine on the table, and they brought out meats and cheeses, fruit and vegetables, pasta. It was wonderful. And we were just so quickly close with all of these people who were just strangers before this. And that's what I think about when I think about joy. Um, as many of you might be aware, we're in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. That's a list in Galatians chapter 5, which includes love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we're spending a week on each one of these. And as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be characterized by these different attributes. Uh, and the more that we are one with God, the more loving we are. That was last week. And this week, we're talking about joy, a fruit of the Spirit. The more we are at one with God, the more joyful we are. And so there's, there's a lot that you could talk about in the Bible when it comes to joy, because you can find joy all over the Bible. And it starts right in the beginning. God has made us to enjoy the blessings of his creation. In Genesis 1, he made everything, provided everything we need, and declared it all good and beautiful and we're meant to enjoy the goodness and the beauty and the provision of creation. And so we see in the Bible the psalmists and other biblical authors reflecting on the goodness of creation, about how much they enjoy the blessings that God has bestowed upon them. From wine to food to family, they rejoice with glad hearts at what God has provided. There, there is joy all over 
the Bible. And there's so much that we could talk about with joy. And so I had to start narrowing down what we would talk about. And I said, okay, let's focus on the joy of Jesus. When did Jesus experience joy or talk about joy? Um, I asked a handful of people for their first impression to that question. You know, can you think of some stories where Jesus is really happy? Because honestly, my first response was, I don't know. <laughs> Off the top of my head, I couldn't think of a story where Jesus was really happy. And maybe you guys can right away, and you can tell me about it later and make me feel bad about myself. Um, but here was my thought process. I was like, okay, I know that Jesus is loving. That's uh, so clear. He shows so much love to others. It's all over the gospel accounts. It's a little tough for me to imagine him super happy in all of that, though, because his love is almost always mixed with a bit of sadness or a bit of anger because of how certain people are responding to him and because of how these hurting people that he loves are being exploited or ignored by the rich and powerful leaders of his country, like the Pharisees. And so when Jesus is acting with love, these loving actions of healing and encouraging and teaching, they're, they're both this act of love for the, the humble poor and an act of judgment against the prideful rich. And, and so it's hard for, it was hard for me to imagine happiness and joy in a lot of these moments that are all over the Gospels, where you just literally, like, in almost every scene, you see the, the Pharisees just kind of, I just, I picture it in my head, they're just like kind of standing in the background being like, this guy. <laughs> oh, those Pharisees. And so uh, when I looked closely, though, you know, what I found was that in the life of Jesus, we clearly see a lot of joy happening around the table, around a meal, at a party. And so uh, that's what ended up being the thematic center of how I narrowed down what aspects of joy that we would talk about today. Joy found at the table. All right, so when, uh, when was Jesus joyful? And when did he talk about joy? Uh, because Jesus' emotions aren't described much, especially related to joy. Uh, but what we, we do see is a big concentration of literally our word, joy, in Luke chapter 15. And so if you have a Bible, flip there, if you would. Um, Many of you guys know these stories. Uh, Dean even talked about one of them last week. Uh, in Luke 15, we find three stories that Jesus tells about people who have lost something. And all of them give us a glimpse into the joy that Jesus had. The first thing we see in the story is that some folks, the Pharisees and scribes, are annoyed with Jesus because he keeps making friends with the people that they don't like. Uh, verse 1 reads like this. He says, now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near Jesus to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus told them this parable. And it's a parable exactly about what Jesus is doing. And so he goes on in verse 4. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And then he tells a second story. These just kind of snowball off of each other. He tells it with the exact same formula uh, to just really drive the point home. And so verse 8, he says, Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? This is what Jesus is doing. And he's not searching out coins, obviously, but Jesus is seeking out people. And when he does, verse 9, it goes on, When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the joy of Jesus. And he goes on to tell one final culminating story, and you you heard it last week, about the wayward son who left his family, thinking that he knew what was best for himself. He insults his father and walks down a path that leads to his downfall, losing everything in the process. And so he finally comes back home, ready to just be a servant of his family in order to have some bread to eat. And what does his father do? He welcomes him back as his long-lost son. He rejoices. He says, we have to celebrate. Bring in Bessie, we're throwing a party. This is the joy of Jesus. The work of Jesus resulted in his joy. He loved seeing this change in people. One example of this in action is the story of Zacchaeus. It's just a a few pages later in Luke chapter 19, and it's exactly what these parables are talking about, with Jesus reaching out to sinners and tax collectors. Jesus invites himself over for dinner to the house of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, who is the exact kind of person that the Pharisees and scribes hated seeing Jesus with, a chief tax collector, a traitor of the Jewish people, And Jesus says, hey, I want you, Zacchaeus. Let's have a meal together. And in this invitation, Zacchaeus repents and rejoices. And so we have seen Jesus talk about his own joy when this happens. And here we see Zacchaeus responding in joy. And and Jesus goes on to tell many other stories and to go to many meals and parties and weddings. Uh, It's just all over. It's all over. Now for us, if we had to list some joyful moments in our own lives, for me personally, my own wedding comes to mind right away. Uh, But more recently, I I had a party celebrating the end of graduate school. This was last year. Don't worry, not during COVID. Uh, (laughs) I had a party celebrating graduate school, and this was a great joy for me. The liberation from my bondage to homework. Praise be. (laughs) The years of work and thousands of dollars that went into that, I was so glad to have it behind me. And so I threw a big party with tacos, of course. That's the, the party food of choice in our household. And I just knew that I wouldn't be able to tell everyone personally at that party how grateful I was. And so I just spontaneously sat down the night before and I wrote a message to send to everyone telling them how grateful I was for their support and their friendship. 
friendships during that time. I was just overwhelmed with joy and thankfulness. And to celebrate, you just, you gotta throw a party. <laughs> uh, when it comes to the, Bi the Bible, there are a lot of parties. And I wanted to focus on one in particular, uh, Passover. The Israelites were really good at parties. It was basically built into their culture with all these festivals, all these huge parties that they had that helped remind them of what God has done in the past, like Passover, which is a, a big meal. And it's centered around the table and this huge meal where they remember how God brought them out of slavery in Egypt. The Israelites came out of Egypt, then they crossed the Red Sea as God saved them from those people who wanted to enslave and kill them. And then in Exodus 15, they rejoiced. And you can read their song of praise and joy there in the Bible. Uh, Psalm 105 reflects back on this moment, and it says, He brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. But even though God did this grand thing and brought them out of this tough moment, Life still wasn't a cakewalk for Israel. Um, there have been many times where they have been under immense amounts of pain and suffering. And so, how do you remain joyful in those times? I, I'm sure the question has, has come up in, in your minds as well. How, how am I able to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, the joy, in the midst of suffering? You know, when the Israelites sit down to celebrate Passover, though, this wasn't just to remember what God has done. It, it was also to give them hope about what God will do in the future. Because for a great deal of biblical history, remembering this helped to give them hope. Hope that they would be liberated from their current oppressors like the Babylonians or the Assyrians or the Romans and what God has done in the past gave them hope in their present suffering that it would one day end. And it's this mixture of looking back to what God has done and looking forward to the future about what God will do, that is part of the antidote right there. And let's think about that some more. Um, Israel, in their darkest moments, very much longed for what God would do in the future. Their prophets talked about it quite often. Uh, Isaiah 65 talks about the future. And it's a future where God does something to make right all that has gone wrong in the good world. Isaiah 65:17 reads, For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and her people for gladness. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people, and there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping or the sound of crying. So the people rejoice and God rejoices in this moment. And that, it's from Isaiah, which is one of the major prophetic books that Jesus saw himself fulfilling and completing. Jesus, in his life and death, was moving that story closer and closer to becoming reality. And so, 
when Jesus sits at the Passover table on the night before he is killed, there's grief, but there is also joy. Jesus warns his disciples about the grief they are about to experience as he is betrayed and beaten and hung on a cross. He sits with his disciples at this Passover meal and says this about his death in John 16. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come, but when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. Though there is grief now, have hope, because joy will come. Though the night is dark and all seems lost, dawn will break through, and the light of the Lord will shine. And this last meal for them seems like it will be tragic, but Jesus points them to a bright future where they will be able to celebrate once again. Uh, Luke's account of this night says this in Luke 22, starting at verse 14, it says, When the hour had come, Jesus reclined at the table and his apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. Grief before joy, because the kingdom of God will come. And, and here at this Passover table, at this table of communion, he points us forward to the day when all will be made right. And as followers of Jesus, we have a joy that cannot be crushed as we look forward to our ultimate destiny with God forever. And when you look at the, the final pages of Scripture, you see how this ultimate destiny is described. It's imagined as this cosmic marriage of heaven and earth, of God and his people. And it's like this huge party that's about to happen. Uh, Revelation 19.7 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Let us rejoice. Welcome to the party. And so that is an overview of what some of the Bible has to say about joy. And so take a moment and think back about what we've reflected on. Um, first, we, we, we find that we find joy in the goodness of God's creation. We find joy in the goodness of God's creation. How we're meant to delight in things like food and family and friendship, all these blessings that God has given us. Also, Remember the joy of Jesus as he helped to restore people. We got to see a glimpse of his emotions with the parables that he told us about the lost. 
And we saw how joy was built into the very culture of Israel through their festivals and celebrations like Passover. And in that celebration of Passover at that table, we saw how they strengthened their joy by looking back at what God had done in the Exodus, rejoicing in the work of his hands, but we also saw how they had hope in the present difficulty by looking forward to what God will do. Great joy is found in the table fellowship that Jesus was known for. And we too should find joy at the table as we enjoy God's blessings and as we celebrate how God has worked in our lives and as we look forward to all that God will do. Rejoice. Amen.